guys, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of SoCal Watch Reviews. This is Miguel, episode 37. P, how's it going? Yo, what's going, man? What's good, bro? It's been a while. It's been a while. How's quarantine treating you? Actually, you're not in quarantine, but how's nah, it We ain't in quarantine no more, but I'm still in quarantine, though, so you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, today we're going to talk about something that's coming up September 1st, which is new Rolex releases. And for that matter, Rolex discontinuations as well. And of course, we couldn't do this topic without our man, without our brother, Fred from Shaluso. Fred, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a while. How's everyone doing today? What's up, big Fred? Looking like Freddie Mercury. (laughs) (laughs) First one to pick up on it. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So for (laughs) Oh, yeah. To ex- explain to everybody why why you said that, P. Who me? Yes, because he looked like Freddie Mercury right now. Shit, <laughs> he's got you the stash, the the mustache. He's clean shaven up under the chin, boy. I don't know this Fred man. What's up, man? How life been treating you, brother? Oh man, like, well, it's treating me to the point that I got bored of my quarantine beard and instead decided to look like a '80s icon. Right on. Uh, <laughs> at, le- at least you're looking like one of the greats. That's true. That's it. So, that's you know. It, um, but, yeah, no, apart from that, been good, been mad busy. But um, well, glad to sort of be back for this little, uh, for, the, for what's going to be a pretty important topic. I mean, these new, these new Rolex models coming up soon. Is that an NBA jersey you got on? It is indeed. Miami Heat. Okay, okay. I see. Yeah, it, it's too hot here in India. I, I can't dress up like, <laughs> right? Can't dress up for the podcast though. Even though, yes, it is true. Right, I do right. things other than shirts. Well, you, we so. appreciate you at least having a shirt on. So, <laughs> <laughs> so before we move on, what are you guys wearing aside from jerseys? <laughs> I have my Cartier Pasha seat timer on a leather strap. Nice. It looks I nice, man. I don't. Nice. I love it. Very nice, P. I'm wearing the Pulsar by Seiko, you know what I'm saying? Not by Hamilton, by Seiko, but, you know, still the bomb vintage. A lot of people don't talk about Pulsar, right? I mean, they, they even hate on Seiko, so to be uh, talking about something that's technically inferior than Seiko, you don't mm-hmm. you don't hear about it. So, But today I'm wearing uh, the dad of your watch then, Seiko SKX007, the guy that started the whole collection for me i got a brand new strap for it yesterday and it's true what they say you know we've said it before you get a new strap and it just changes uh the watch all together and it's like wearing a new watch so i'm excited to be wearing it uh it just started the whole thing and i'm like hey i'm gonna be it's just a special episode because i'm gonna be with two two good friends of mine so let me let me wear something that's special to me so there you go guys in honor of you guys <laughs> thank you thank you and uh, big congrats to Fred since we last spoke to you. Obviously, you're almost at close to 2,000 on your YouTube channel. So congratulations oh, yeah. on all the success, man. Hard work, hard work, dedication. Uh, I obviously hit a little over 1,000. Yeah, it was a lot of hard work. Thank you. So congratulations to you. Thank you. And thank you guys for being part of the celebration. I mean, obviously, I had to have both of you guys on the video and – and it was nice to see a bunch of people come together. I just sent out the message to not everybody, but the people that I follow and that I look up to and that have been there for me from the from the beginning. And 
there was a few that couldn't send the video but did apologize and said hey i don't have time or something congratulations so that's why in the beginning of the video i said that so i wanted to kind of reiterate that in this podcast and just say hey i know who you are and to everybody that did send the video i appreciate it including you guys so it was very special and i'm never gonna forget that so thank you so much guys and, and P- now you got some planning for the 2001 the 3001 and for pete's one Oh, absolutely. P's going to, oh my God, I can't even wait until he hits a thousand. He's going to be celebrating <laughs> like crazy. I mean, P, I think, has more videos than I do. I don't know about you, Fred, but he's got a ton of videos. I mean, yeah, and, and it's it's kind of alarming if, if, I don't know if it's the YouTube algorithm or what it is, but P hasn't even hit 500 subscribers, which is crazy because he's been doing YouTube for well over a year, right, P? Yeah. Mm-hmm. and i mean we love p we great personality he knows his stuff so i i don't know what it is or what is going on we've tried to promote his channel on instagram on my youtube channel on the podcast and it's just i don't know what's going on and just like with your videos fred and my videos majority of the people watching our videos don't subscribe to our channel you know and and the craziest thing is that that's all we ask for it's not you're not paying any money to go on YouTube, right? So that's kind of like the thank you. And it's kind of like paying us by just subscribing. That's, that's all we ask, you know? So go over to Peace Channel, support them. Let's get them to a thousand subscribers so we could all be rejoicing in, 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 the, in the over a thousand. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Go ahead and subscribe, man. Please. Uh, and for real, like, because one thing I will give Pete, and this is me being as objective and unbiased as I can, the man's videos are entertaining. Like, beyond just the watches as well, they're entertaining, man. It's Pete. Like... Oh, they, I'm entertaining? You are, man. Like, for real. Like, no, like, I mean, that for real. Like, you know, like... Yeah. Man, I can understand. People might watch mine and say, fuck it, I don't want to watch 15, 20 minutes of someone just talking about a watch. But, like, you add so much more personality to it. I may add a mustache to it, but, like... <laughs> no, you're, you're right. You're right. No, P's definitely entertaining, man. I mean, aside from the watch knowledge and everything, he just keeps it real, you know, and it's, it, I, I, that's what kind of blows my mind that I, he's just so entertaining. He was so, so charismatic, his voice, just everything about P, it's, it's, it's different, you know? He doesn't yeah. follow the same blueprint of, as you will as everybody else. Come on, and, can and y'all stop, man? Y'all making me blush, man. Stop, please. Well, it's, it's, it's true. Making me look, blush. All three of us have a have a watch channel, but all three of us are so different, right? Like all our channels, if you look at them, everything is different about them. And that's a cool thing that we, we're just unique in our own way, you know? So anyway, we'll, we'll leave it there. Just go to Peace Channel. Uh, Yo, man, I'm, I'm humble with 400 and I'll be humble before I make it to 1,000. You know what I'm saying? And it even 10,000. I know you won't change. No. So that's that's the beauty of this, man. So yeah. keep keep being you. Keep being you. But uh, enough of that. I know people are here to hear the predictions. And I got to be honest, most of the talking is going to be from Fred because this is right up his alley. I got a few things that I wrote down and that I think, but I don't know much about what's going on. So, Fred, why don't you take it away? Give us kind of the the history or, or not the history, but let us know what's going to happen September 1st or what we what you know and, and just kind of start from there. Uh, I mean, first off, we, we got to do the obligatory disclaimer that none of us know what Rolex does. Rolex works in mysterious ways. 
Well, I do. I, I do work for Rolex. So I, 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 I don't oh, think. Yeah, so. yeah no, but <laughs> just, you know that. they don't need to know why I haven't. Oh, oops. Into- yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. We'll cut that. Um, no, like we do need to like remember that in all this. Like, let's be honest. Like I, I saw this last year. Like when I was still new to this, the amount of like predictions and all that that happened for every Basel world is insane. And at the end of the day, like none of us really know what's going on there'll be like that one source that like gets it right. But, uh, but I will get my Nostradamus on for a little bit. Um, mostly just based on like looking what the current range is and what Rolex has done in the past. I always try my best just to sort of base my predictions on like what precedent is. And one thing that we have to recognize is that Samariner has been around for so long since 2000, I want to say 2008, I think is when they did the Smurf. Uh, then 2010, the steel ones came out, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but more than that, the movement on the inside, the 3135, that's been around since 1988. So this is an old, old movement that Rolex has already been progressively replacing. Um, in the GMTs, their old movement was based on the 3135. They've already updated the entire GMT range. The Sea Dweller now has the 3235. The Master has the 3235. Um, Pretty much all of their the day just as well as a three two three five. Pretty much all of their um all of their time and date models have already been updated except for the Samaritan. So my only conclusion is they were thinking, waiting, well, we might as well keep selling it with this old movement and wait till we replace the whole thing, which I think is what they're gonna do. Um it'll be interesting to see whether they come out the gate with a steel model or whether they do what they used to do, which is when they released the original sub, when they released the previous gen GMT, they came out the gate with precious metal and then went into steel. But if we look at what they did with the GMT in 2018, they came out with that Pepsi at the same time as they came out with the two-tone and the gold one. So I think we can expect they'll come out with a steel model, probably just, I would say just a normal black dial one. Um, But also a lot of speculation is what's gonna happen with the Hulk. Are they going to discontinue it? Are they going to update it? I don't know because like the Hulk isn't an anniversary anymore. Anniversary model anymore. It's nothing like you know specific or tied to anything. Like and the Kermit, year, right? The Kermit was a specific. Yeah, the Kermit model. was an anniversary model. Uh, the Hulk isn't. The Hulk was just regular production that just happened to be green. <laughs> so like, so it can go either way in my view. I think that probably. My guess is that they'll actually push the Hulk into precious metal and maybe bring the Smurf into, into steel. That was my guess back in like Feb, March, before they canceled Baselworld. Um, because while, yes, people say, oh, you know, they'll never pander. It's like, hey, we got to steal Pepsi. You know, Rolex will ride that precious metal wave as long as they can. But also they know they have plenty of money they can make by doing it in steel. So I think they're going to switch those. That's my prediction. They're going to go green with the precious metal version and then blue with the um with the steel one and the other reason i say that is because of what tuda just did we got to remember in 2018 when the pepsi came out tuda did a pepsi in the same year it'd be pretty interesting to see if they do the same thing this year going blue on blue with the new 58 and the new sub so that's my predictions for the sub what are your thoughts on that so is that what you think Rolex need to do to like hit this out the park? You know what I mean? I think so. I think last year's last year's Basel and releases were kind of underwhelming for people. I mean, at the end of the day, like I have nothing wrong with the 
with the Jubilee Batman or the Bat or the Batgirl as people call it. But at the end of the day, it didn't feel like anything particularly new. Um, just felt like a different variation. So I think if they really want to make an impact, then they can roll with that. Um, the other way they can go is if maybe they want to be a bit more restrained because they're not used to this whole online release thing. So like, I mean, let's face it, anything Rolex releases, it's going to build hype. It's going to be exciting. It's just a case of how much hype and excitement they want to do and how out there they want to be in terms of releasing in a format they're not used to. So the other thing they could do is if they make, if they bring more of the ceramic bezel to the Daytona in terms of the precious metal variants, because those still get metal bezels. That could be like sort of their safe bet. Um, I thought maybe something like a two-tone steel and rose gold um, Daytona with a ceramic bezel. That was another one that back in March I predicted that I think could still be possible. You know, that could be if they want to do a safe bet or it could just be like, you know, an adjacent release they do along with the new sub. What about a new movement? Uh, for the Daytona, I don't think so. Purely because the, like, the current movement, the 4130 has been around since 2000. And while that's a long time, it's not exactly outdated. You know, it's right. still 70 power reserve, still got the power from escapement. They don't need to update it in the same way they need to update the 3135. Like, because that's still like 40-something hours. And like I said, it's been around since 88. Right. Like, it's been around for too long. They really need to update it. That's pushing what? Mm. Years? 12 years, something. So the new no. movement. How long are 3235 oh, no, around? 3235 was released in 2015. 2015? Okay. Yeah, they released on one of the women's models. I think on the Promaster, I think. I have to check that one out. But but yeah, like so since but since it's released, they've progressively been putting it into um into the other sort of three hander models, three hand day models. Yeah, this shit is crazy. What I find so interesting is like, don't nobody know shit. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I have read that uh certain retailers, uh, certain media outlets, and certain whoever, it's just going to be a select few that they want on hold from September 1st to the 4th. Yeah. I mean, for this, and it's crazy. Well, I heard, is it true that, um, so like Tudor, right, they, they send out the models right before the releases, like a week or two weeks before the releases, and that way, when they announced release, things were going to be in the AD. So Rolex, yeah. I heard, is going to do the same thing. However, the difference is that Tudor made the mistake to send the blue uh, BB58. Uh, they sent it like two weeks or a week prior, and photos leaked because people, they just can't keep it to themselves, right? So Rolex is not going to do that. What I heard, and I'm again, this is all predictions, is that they're going to literally maybe ship them right before September 1st or on September 1st. And when they do the releases, they're going to be available at the AD. That's what I heard. That's what people are predicting. Mm. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, like, I think, you know, same, like available same day, available two, three days later, a week later, that's not the end of the world. I mean, we got to think that before it was a case of you'd have Basel in March, watches wouldn't be hitting stores until months later. Right. So even if it's this much closer, I think that's so much better. And like, I think that's something cool with this new sort of post-COVID era in that a lot of these new releases have been available pretty much right as soon as they were announced. 
Right. Well, that's a cool thing, right? That's that's a benefit of COVID. So if you if you like something, you don't have to wait months to get it, and and there's no real hype created around it. Because I mean, if like right now for Rolex, if you have the money and you want a new Submariner with the three two three five movement which i'm pretty sure is going to happen fred i agree with you and furthermore i think they're going to narrow the the lugs so instead of having that uh super case it's going to be a pre-super case as long as they keep the maxi dial i'm good uh but i i'm just not a fan of that maxi case so i think they should bring it back to maybe the more elegant um case that's pushing it though because knowing rolex they're going to change one little thing in this case it's the movement and that's a big thing so for them to that could be like i know a lot of people have said that and i agree like i'm not the biggest fan of the super case for the previous gen but i don't think they're going to do it by slimming the lugs i think they're going to widen the bracelet like they did on the deep sea so i think with that like by default that'll make the lugs a little slimmer but it'll just look better proportions but wouldn't that make the watch bigger so what you're saying is it wouldn't be a 20 millimeter strap it would be a 22 yeah i think yeah, I think they'll up it to a 22 uh, or no. So, like, portions will look better, but the actual sizing won't change. Like, because I think right now, with the current super case, I think just those that whole lug part is so wide. You have these super wide lugs, and then it tapers into what looks like a tiny bracelet. You know? So, I think they'll, if they are going to do anything around the lug area, I think it would be more just similar, like, what they did with the deep sea, widen the bracelet at the top, so it looks... A bit more proportional i hope they don't do that because um it, it's just not gonna look right i mean 20 millimeters is a sweet spot i don't know about you guys but but uh 20 millimeters is the uh is a sweet spot for me i i i'll give you an example so i'm wearing my the seiko skx and it's a 22 millimeter strap and it's just it just doesn't work for me you know that's the reason why i like my uh seiko sarb just because it's just the right fit. I don't know about what you guys think, but 22 millimeters is not going to work for me if that's what they do. I think it depends on the shape of the case. You know, like it's all about proportions at the end of the day. Like, um, well, what's your your Pasha? What what? Uh, my Pasha is a bit weird because it's got those hinge lugs. I think something true. like 24. <laughs> like 24. yeah, okay, never mind. That's that's pretty weird. But um, <laughs> Master is 20. My Steinhardt is 22, but that's a 42 millimeter watch. So portions are a bit better. Yeah, of course. My a Chrono was 22 millimeters as well. And that one I think worked really well as well. Um, so I think a lot of it depends on just the overall proportion. I agree. To that specific thing. Like you got to remember, for example, the sub, the previous sub, the 16610, that was a 40 millimeter watch. And so was the current one. But because the lugs themselves flare out more on the current one, that's why it has the look of a bigger watch, but it also, in my view, looks a bit disproportionate when you have these big fat lugs going into a smaller bracelet. Mm. I get it. I get it. So now, are, you, are you expecting the Hawk to be the only model that could be discontinued or is it anything else? Um, potentially, like I said, my prediction is maybe they switch the metals of right. the Hulk and Smurf. Um, but they could knock out either. They could knock out both. They could keep both for all we know. Um, so it's kind of a tough call in terms of figuring out what they're going to do with either one. It could be maybe that they get rid of both and then reintroduce them later is another possibility. 
Hmm. I really don't know. Um, it's a tough call because like there's not really much precedent to sort of see or lean on what they can do because what they did with the last sub was what they did with the last with the um, with the introduction of the eleven sixty seven ten GMT or well they did the gold one first. So but now they start broken that precedent. So it's really hard to tell. Are they gonna lean back to what they did in the early two thousands or are they gonna ride the wave they've already been doing? Like they haven't really shown much um, they haven't really shown much indication of really changing anything. Or they could even go the route of like they did with the yacht master where they barely changed anything at all, literally just changed the movement. Um, I don't think they even messed with color variations when they did the the new movement yacht master. And that was a pretty silent change as well. Hmm. Well, one thing but is think, for sure. Oh. Oh, sorry. But I think because that's not really their star, we shouldn't look too much to like their rollout of the new Yacht Master because it's not like they give it enough attention anyway. Like the sub is a big deal for them. Well, maybe the Yacht Master, what they're going to do because they do have that Oyster Flex on it, right? They yeah. could do some different color Oyster Flex. I mean, it, it's, it's a reach because Rolex is just so conservative, but I mean, you never know. They could introduce some cool different color bezel with a different color oyster flex. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough call. Like, I mean, this is the thing, though, is that it's so hard because it's some, sometimes Rolex is so conservative, you expect them to barely do anything. True. And then they throw out a random curveball like the Yacht Master 2, you know, or like something like the Sky Dweller on the one hand, it's like, it's like they just pumped up a date just, but on the other hand, it's a fucking annual calendar with a GMT mm, and yeah. this bezel system. It's like revolutionary and stagnant at the same time, which like that, that in addition to how secretive they are, makes it really hard to predict with Rolex. I agree. Well, one thing is for sure about the Hulk, if it's discontinued, it's going to skyrocket in price. I mean, look what happened to the Batman, right? So it got technically upgraded but people thought it was discontinued and the prices just yeah. shot up you know what i mean so if you have a hulk right now or you could buy one i would used to pay more for rolex you know like if it's a rolex support model i almost feel like people are looking for an excuse to pay more for them you know yep like when people were saying like i personally i don't consider the batman is discontinued it's just upgraded like the colorway is still available correct and it's definitely inside like the only thing you're missing out is you can't get it on an oyster anymore. So yeah, like, I agree. But people say no, it's it's discontinued. The reference isn't there, so it's like yes, technically it is. But Batman or the black and blue color scheme on a GMT, that's still very much there. So yeah. Now here's something that I would like to see, and I obviously did a little bit of research for this. I saw different predictions from different people, but somebody brought something very interesting. So I'm a huge lover of vintage watches. I know. PS as well and I really like the vintage uh, male gals uh, what was um, it, the 6541 it was almost like a dive watch right it had like a bezel on it it looked really cool with the red triangle at the 12 uh, yeah. it almost had like a honeycomb dial or something like some kind of texture dial I would love to see that I hate the current male gals with that green glass and it just it just does not work for me so I would love to see that, you know, keep the lighting hand on there, the lightning or whatever, and put a rotating bezel with a red triangle at the 12 o'clock. I think that would sell like hotcakes. What do you guys think? Mm. I agree. I like the Milgauss really doesn't do much for me, but I do applaud it for being at least something a bit out there from Rolex. I think Correct. that and maybe the Air King are the most daring Rolexes. 
Um, but yeah, I think that would be really cool if they brought it back to that sort of style of that old vintage one. I know when you're talking about, um, they thought that was going to happen last year and it didn't. So maybe that will happen this year. Like for me, one thing I've been thinking about is with this whole new format, how daring is Rolex going to be this year? You know, are they going to recycle ideas from last year? Are they going to play it safe? Like when Tudor came out with the blue, the blue Bay 58, or Black Bay Blue, whatever they want to call it. Um, I was disappointed because I was like, that's it? it? It's a color variant. I was more excited about that Tudor World that I did a video on a few weeks later, even though that's just for a tiny market. At least that was a new model. Like, So I got the feeling like, okay, is Rolex maybe just dipping their toe in the water because they haven't done it in this format before? For all we know, we could be super disappointed and they're like, oh yeah, we've, I don't know, change the movement in the oyster perpetual and that's <laughs> that's our 2020 guys hmm. well maybe something we need to consider as well maybe we're not thinking about is it, it whenever a new watch company releases something new or changes something it doesn't happen overnight right so it's probably years in the making there's a lot of red tape a lot of people to go through so i don't think covid maybe affected the decision you guys think i don't think it was like oh COVID. okay now we were going to change this but i don't think it affected what they what their development was right but i think it could affect potentially what their release was like i get a feeling for example if we'd have had a proper basel world i get a feeling maybe tudor would have released a bit more i feel like tudors kept some in the chamber you know maybe perhaps because they're testing the water right they just want to see hey Let's see how these sell. But Rolex, I mean, they don't need to test the water. They can literally put out a, a piece of crap. And but at the same time, even though, like one thing I've noticed with Rolex is that even though they don't need to worry about, you know, playing it safe, by and large, they generally do. You know, it took a while for them to pull the plug on Basel, for example. Like, in general, they tend to play it safe. So I'm wondering if maybe this sort of very conservative rollout from Tudor is reflective of what Rolex is thinking. However, it could have gone the other way because since the reception for the Tudor was so good, maybe they're like, oh shit, let's actually push out more. And maybe that's why they gave themselves a lot more time between uh, July and, uh, was it July? This? Yeah, I think July is when the Tudor came out, between July and September. So they're like, okay, let's see how this works, see how this type of a release works, and then figure from there sort of how aggressive they want to be with what they release. So you know what? You know what? We, we've been talking about Rolex building upon what they already got, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, the Venice Mill guys, I think, would be great. But what if they got something totally brand new, you know what I mean, that's getting ready to drop? You know what I mean? Like, no updated Submariner. Or maybe, like, I don't know. Some like, totally brand new, like properly brand new collection, like like right. the Skyward. right? Something they've been tomorrow. working on for a minute. Yeah, they don't nobody know about. I don't think they'll release it in 2020. It's just my, I think they would save that for their own show, right, Fred? Because they they do have that plan. That's yeah. why they left Basel World. So I I don't yeah, I think I think that would be something. I agree with Miguel. That'd be something they would save for at the earliest 2021 when they've already done one of these online releases. Um, like whether they like because I don't know what are like 
are companies going to go back to this whole big show thing or are they going to realize with what they've done this year that fuck they can just do online releases do they really need trade shows? millions of dollars <laughs> from from a marketing perspective at least do they really need trade shows anymore i think from like just a general distribution and selling to ad's they probably still will but we gotta remember that basel world used to always serve that dual purpose selling to ad's but also just making general marketing books so like will they separate those two now and just do all of their marketing side of it just online you know they can they save a ton of money i think um was the ceo of brightling said that like they got the same exposure spending like i think he said it was like five thousand francs on the um on that webcast they did to release their new models he said they got the same exposure spending five thousand francs versus the five million they would spend at something like a basel world yeah, that, yeah, I think cool. it would be better because I think a whole lot of companies and industries are going to more online selling versus yeah. having these big elaborate shows, you know, basically wasting money, you know. And it gives them more flexibility as well, if you think about it, because they can release, just like we were talking about before, they can release when they're ready to sell right away. Right. Like, I think why before there was always this delay between when you had a Basel or an SAHH. And when you received is because like you had to meet the deadline for the show, regardless of where you are in the development process. Yeah. So and now I think like, they'd be able to control their product more too. Yeah. And also it's good for us as collectors. Like, fuck, I'm enjoying seeing like a, a new watch every, every few weeks now, instead of it just being March, April. And then that's it. You're done for the year until like maybe just before Christmas. Yeah, it gives us more content and, and it just keeps it fresher, right? It's like, it's always something new, like almost every week. So yeah. one last thing I wanted to say is something that I saw online that would be pretty cool. So I know Rolex, the Explorer 2, they, there's two dial variants, right? There's the polar dial, the white one, and then the black one. But I don't think they've ever done the Rolex Explorer 1 in another color. So it'll be cool to see that in white. That'll be kind of interesting. Yeah. Mm. Or another one um, was um, my friend Ritter from Watch Society. He did a prediction that they might actually go precious metal on the Explorer one, which they also haven't done. And that actually looked pretty cool. Like mm -hmm. nice sort of design, but in like a rose gold. It didn't look bad. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it kind of defeats the purpose, right? Because it's an Explorer. I mean, you're going to use it to technically Works explore. For <laughs> Works for the DMT. I know. It's so stupid. It's like have these two watches. Color. <laughs> like, like come on. doesn't make any sense i'm gonna go dive three thousand feet with my two-tone watch yeah right it's heavy enough that you could beat a, a shark over the head with it <laughs> but uh yeah no I, I i definitely think that more companies should go this route even post covid and covid ain't going away anytime soon i mean it, it it's gonna it's gonna be here for a while i it's think we'll be all, here for a while sure. we all accepted it i think um in our day-to-day -day lives and it's just a matter of how you navigate and do things differently that doesn't mean that you have to stay at home uh, necessarily i mean yeah you should but it doesn't mean that if you need to go to the store or you want to go to the park or something just take the proper precautions so i think it's here to stay but yeah i think more companies should definitely do this just follow this model you know just no online shows. is a lot safer too yeah, yeah the only definitely the only downfall and i think you guys could agree with me and it's like pretty much all my watches i bought online and sure you can look at the proportions and just like us right we're so into watches that we know if somebody says this is this size we kind of know because we 
tried on enough watches that we know how it's going to fit. But that's still not true. I mean, I, I, I get surprised I all the time. I, I still like would rather try on a watch before I buy it. I agree, hundred percent. And that's and that's a downfall, right? Mm -hmm. the, something that I heard could potentially happen is they'll close down a bunch of ads, um, and maybe just keep a few. And that's where you go try on the watch to see if it's for you. And if it is, then you could special order it if you want. You know, that might be a good model. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it could be like kind of like it's like it's more of a showroom than something to sell. A showroom, like I, correct. Um, was in was my brother. He went to Hong Kong, and there they had um a Daytona in the AD, just to try on. Like they weren't allowed to sell it. I mean, I'm sure if like a high roller bought like 14 day dates along with it, would probably get it. As well. <laughs> okay, we'll but sell least, you this one. Yeah. At least the premise was that it was there, so that people could still at least try it on. Oh. Yeah, it I can kind of see now, like online, where it's gonna get virtual, where you can yeah. put your wrists in and you know what I'm saying, try to watch on like that. I can almost see it. You I know? think Chrono 24 is playing with something like that. Chrono 24, I was gonna say they have something with your phone, but I think you need to print oh, okay. something out, or I think you need to print out a form. If I remember this correctly, because I was looking at watches, I think you need to print out a form, cut it out as like the shape of a watch, and I think you put it on your wrist. I think that's kind of the format and I think it's kind of, it, it's moving in the right direction, but it's not a hundred percent virtual. So yeah. I think we're not there yet. But I think it'll get there. The technology is there. The technology is there. It's just a matter of somebody pulling the, the, the trigger. Hey, big companies, uh, brightly. Now you're saving $5 million. Why not invest in, in new technology? Why not invest in maybe new watches? So that's, that's the upside, right? So if they save all this money from the marketing standpoint, put those dollars, put those uh, Swiss francs to work in a positive way, not on a stupid uh, well, trade I mean, show. Example, they're actually doing a lot, like they had their rollout online. They also have this new thing they're doing with um, like uh, blockchain, like to like sort of track, to track your watches. Um, and like that's sort of replacing papers. Like Brightling is actually doing a lot of moves, I think, in terms of moving towards the future, while also like they've been opening a few more boutiques progressively. Um, and their boutiques are nice. Like I went to the one in Dubai. I've been to the one in Sydney as well. And they are nicely, like well thought out. They're not like these generic SADs you see sometimes. These are like fully curated, like, you know, random like decorations and stuff that serve no purpose other than just making you feel like it's like you've stepped into a Brightling. <laughs> you know mm. so like Brightling's actually doing a lot of good things i think I, I like what they're doing and with their watches as well i like their releases a lot this year i agree i agree they have some really nice models and uh yeah i mean we could go into all the watch releases there's been some good ones and some bad ones but i think rolex did the right thing by waiting until september they're probably like all right everybody else release your models because the big boy is coming at the end <laughs> but the funny thing though is that they could have released it anytime it wouldn't really matter who else released somewhat around there rolex would still get all the attention but Absolutely. i think about how companies have had to do it this time around and that you know they just do on online releases on any arbitrary date that suits them is that now they don't have to compete like the only time I think there's been really overlapping releases was around um, when Richemont did all theirs, but that's also because they're a corporate group. So they released, I don't know why they didn't release things separately, 
but that sort of online watches and wonders, like they released everything at the same time and cannibalized each other's uh, each other's attention. But since they're all the same group, they're like, oh well, money goes to the same place. It doesn't really matter who wins from mm-hmm. that. But the rest, like, there's not really been that much overlap. So yeah, I think that's a new normal for uh, for COVID. But I, I think that's cool. I think that's cool. You know, it gives us. Uh, something to talk about, whether it be in a podcast, whether it be on a video, we could talk about new watches all the time as opposed to before. So yeah, I, I think I think uh, I think they should kind of stick to this. So let me let me ask you something, Fred. So say post COVID, they move away from the shows. Do you think they're going to continue doing this? Where like we know that like all right, September is going to be Rolex releasing their new stuff. And December's going to be this company, and May is going to be this company. Do you think that would be the norm? I think it's completely going to depend on the company. And the reason why I say that is because some companies have finally grasped how social media works, that you don't necessarily have to build up tons of hype and do certain, you know, effort toward a specific date. Like, you know, some, I think, have grasped it. Like, just if you're smart with the actual release on the day, you can just drop something out of the blue and still get a lot of excitement and have the flexibility to do that if they want to. Whereas there will some, there'll be some that will pretty much just do an online version of what they used to do. They'll be very fixated on a specific date every year, specific things. Like it'll pretty much be exactly how it was before. The only difference is there's not a physical location. So I think it's going to depend on the company. Something like, um, like Breitling, for example, which like I said before, I think they're really quite forward looking as, as like compared to some of the other more established brands, I think them, they're going to weaponize the idea of like, Hey, fuck it. Every, every few months, let's just drop a new release. We don't need to build a bunch of hype towards it. Make it seem like an event. We can just release new, you know, like, and they were doing that at the beginning of the year before they had their big release. So I think that's one, whereas others might still like Rolex may decide, you know what? We, we own September now. So we're just going to do in September, just going to do July. I think some, some will be more fixated. Otherwise, we'll, other ones will really embrace the flexibility. That's, that's an interesting angle. As well, I think for them to sort of set in their ways, because like we were saying before, COVID probably isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So I think next year will still be very much some uncharted territory for a lot of these in terms of how they plan, plan another year where it's not like, they're reacting to the circumstances more like this is the new normal. So they're starting to establish new norms. Well, I think in 2021, they're going to have to uh, do something. You know what I mean? They're not going to just sit around and just to sit around. They're going to have to go online and sell online. Yeah. Like I think it would be for them to enter 2021 thinking, all right, well, uh, let's get back to normal, normal schedule and plan for March, April. And then what's so crazy is like they a lot of these brands need to take notes from the fashion watch brands. You know what I mean? That know how to sell online companies like Movement and Daniel Wellington. Take notes from them. You know what I mean? So those are marketing online geniuses. Yeah, like you can knock them for their watches all day, but they move units because they know how to market. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Well, it's something I was going to say with the marketing dollars that they're saving, would it be smart for them to reinvest that money into better online marketing 
And I'll take it a step further, uh, social influencers. So whether it be a podcast, a YouTuber, uh, Hodinky, watch, you know, to, to blog, whatever, um, sending out units, you know, setting up a, a relationship with people like us, you know, people in the community that we have people that follow us because they trust us, you know, so not necessarily getting paid by them, but getting a watch in our hands and being able to review it. And it's like, sure, you can't go to the store anymore, or we can't cover this in Basel world, but Hey, I have it right here. Let me give you my thoughts on it. So that'd be pretty interesting. If, if that happens, I know it sounds crazy, like nah, you know, Breitling or Rolex, they would never do that. You never know. Things change, you know, and they see the power that a social influencer has. I mean, I was listening to a, uh, an interview with Barkin' Jack. Uh, he was on a podcast. And it's interesting the way that he started his strap company. They, they asked him, like, they said, hey, so how did you start the strap company, right? Because it's, it's a big thing for you. He's like, yeah. He goes, to be honest with you, it's all about building the following first and then trying to sell your product. If you do the, the opposite thing, then it's not gonna work because you're going into it with the wrong intentions. So he built an audience, he had his YouTube channel and a strap company reached out to him and said, hey, can we send you the straps uh, to review? He's like, yeah, sure. Um, so he got them, he reviewed them and he got a call from the, from the guy that sent them the straps saying, hey, Adrian, can I send you more straps? Cause I've never in my life have sold as many straps as I did when you reviewed them. So he got the idea. He's like, oh, well, you know what? If instead of making somebody else money, why don't I make the money myself? So that's why he started making this Bark and Jack straps. And now he's killing it. It's so successful. And I didn't know this. It's so successful that his wife literally quit her job. And she does that full time. She runs the Bark and Jack shop because that's how busy they are. Damn. So okay. that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm, 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 is it crazy that these people keep growing and growing and their channels keep growing and we keep growing at one point where Breitling or Grand Seiko or whatever are going to send new releases out to us early for us I mean, to review? Adrian's already... Like, he's already doing it, right? already got direct relationships with the actual companies and he's not the only true, one. True, true. Um, but yeah, like it wasn't too long ago where you had to be a publication like Hodinki, for example, to get that sort of access. True. No, you're, mm. you're 100% right. Now it's, and it's going to keep going in that direction. I think more and more they're going to realize the importance of having, you know, influencers, YouTubers, etc. you know, showing their products, having those direct relationships. And I think that's also going to be the future of brand ambassadors. You know, it's not just going to be things like, um, you know, like actors and musicians and all that, it's going to start being, you know, quote unquote, online celebrities, online um, uh, personalities and stuff like that, that then start becoming the ambassadors for certain brands. Like that's the direction it's going to go inevitably. The question is just what's the pace going to be? And are those early adopters going to be rewarded for moving quickly? Or is it going to be something where like it'll be a rocky start, but eventually get there anyway? But yeah, that's the future. That's well, I, it's already kind of happening, I believe. I was looking at something, and I know some of the bigger YouTubers, you know what I'm saying, represent some of these companies. You know what I mean? So it's already happening. Yeah, no, yeah, sure, and the is a lot more as well. It's just yeah. watching the street, especially like, you know, high-end watching the street, they're a bit slow. 
But it's it's something so something interesting that you said, Fred, was brand ambassadors. I mean, right now people that trust social influencers such as ourselves is because they are under the impression that we're speaking the truth. They were not getting yeah. paid on the back end and like, oh, well, that's why he's saying it's a good product because he's getting paid. Um, so if you're becoming a brand ambassador and it's something well-known, then anything and everything that you say, I personally wouldn't believe it. I'll be like, well, whatever. I mean, that, that watch, in my opinion, is trash, but he can't bash the brand because he's going to get fired and he's not going to get paid. So yeah, that, that's pretty interesting. Now having a relationship with them and not getting paid and just getting sent in the watch for free, that's a different story. But nonetheless, they could still kind of buy you with goodies, right? Not only that, there's a bit of leverage, you know, like at the end of the day, think about it. You still get content out of being lent in the watch. They're still doing you a favor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think sure there's it's a win-win. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a win-win. So I think there's, it's going to be something that like us as content creators are going to have to navigate. But at the same time, I think, for example, transparency is something that's going to be super important. It's one thing whether someone's like an on the low brand ambassador, because I'm sure, like I've seen plenty of reviews where I get the impression it's like, I'm pretty certain they got paid for that review and they oh, haven't yeah. disclosed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whereas, whereas there may be others that, you know, don't say it up front uh, that they've been paid or that, you know, they've been given a watch. Like, I'm sure there are some where they're given a watch by the companies they don't say even thanks to the company or whatever. They just try and play it off as it's like, you know, oh, just making content, nothing to see here. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. have these glowing reviews. So, like, I think a big thing is going to be about transparency and about the relationship you build with your audience. Um, and then also, I think a lot of it is going to come down to if you see, like, a market shift or if you see, for example, like, the, relation, the nature of that relationship doesn't mean that they can only review that brand because then suddenly your channel becomes a bit boring. So I think there's a lot of nuances that are going to come into play. And as much as the watch side has to evolve in terms of how they approach uh, marketing online and marketing with influencers, us as well, we're going to have to evolve in sort of how we maintain our credibility while still being able to, you know, grow our channels and get access to cool watches. I agree. Once you burn your credibility, you're pretty much done as a channel, you know, or as a, an influencer for that matter. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely you can get the transfer very quickly. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I'm I'm gonna full transparency. I, I've been speaking to to um, King Watch Company. They we've built a relationship just because the guy is uh, junior. He's super cool. He's a down to earth guy. He's a collector, and a lot of people hate on his brand just because of the name King and because it has a crown. And I, I I get it, but his whole thought process is different. But anyway, he came out with a dive watch, and he's like, I want you to review it. So I think he's gonna send me one for free, but. I'm going to be fully transparent. If, if the thing is not up to par, I'm going to say that, you know, just because I got something for free doesn't mean that I'm going to kiss his behind per se. Um, and he knows that, you know, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those difficult things because you as a human being, especially me personally, every time that somebody gives me something, I, I, I kind of feel bad, bad bashing it, right? Or, or saying, oh, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Or you kind of feel kind of forced to say, oh, thank you. Yeah, this is cool. So that I need to change my mindset to being very objective and just saying, I like this. I don't like this. And do I recommend it? Do I not recommend it? You know, so I haven't crossed that line yet. 
I know I did that with the Mora straps, but that's a different thing. You know, that was just some straps. It wasn't a $300, $400 watch or more expensive. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. So, so in, in, that, in that particular conversation, per se, should the person send you a watch, if you're being totally transparent and honest about it, should they be offended? Or I, I mean, me as a company, if I, if I was running a watch company, first and foremost, I would look at the person's channel and see if their style is something that that is is is, I guess, in line with my watch brand or with the message that I'm trying to put out, and and just kind of go from there. But you have to take take risks, right? So if you know there's a review out there that bashes every single brand, I would stay away from that person. But right. if I see that there's a reviewer that does a really good job, they're very objective about everything, and yeah, they may potentially not like the watch, but they're gonna they're gonna take some really cool shots of the watch and talk well about the watch and and whatever. Then I will go that route, you know what I mean? And and I think that's what Junior he he told me. He's like, I I like you as a person, and I like the style of your videos, so that's why I want you to review it, you know. But never, and I'm being honest, not, never has he told me anything about. Oh, but if I send it, you need to say good things about it, okay? Like, he's never told me that, and I don't think he'll say that because the minute that he says that, I wouldn't feel comfortable, and I'll have to be transparent with them and say, no, I'm not, although I'm getting this for free, I'm not going to speak highly of it because in my reputation, it's on the line. If somebody buys it and it's garbage, then they're going to say, well, Miguel clearly doesn't know what he's talking about, you know? Maybe he just got paid. So, no, I, 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 I don't know. Right, right. For me, something that I've served from the onset, decided with my channel was because I knew, like, at some point, this would be an eventuality. For me, I will not feature a watch on my channel that I don't like, because for me, that's that's giving any type of publicity to something I don't endorse. Like on all my reviews, I'll talk about the positives and the negatives on it, but they are still fundamentally watches I like. That's one thing I like about working with pre-owned dealers, is that with them, they're not trying to push a specific watch on. With them, it's like, sure, cool. Mention us at the beginning and the end, but pick whichever watches you want. And I'm always going to pick watches I like. If I had a company that was approaching me with a watch I don't like, I, I just wouldn't feature it. Or if it's no. one that I've never experienced, I'd say, hey, send it to me. If I like it, I'll feature it. If I don't, I won't feature it. Because I'm, I'm not also going to make a video, like, I've never made a video shitting on a watch. And I don't plan to. Because, like, you know, I'm not going to wait 10, 15, 20 minutes of people's time to hear me talk shit about a watch either. I'd rather give the energy to something I actually do think is a good watch. That'll probably get a lot of views, but. <laughs> yeah, probably, but like yeah. there's some watches that would get a lot of views, but it's like, if I don't like it, I'm yeah. not going to be pushing it. No, for sure. Because then it's either I, I need to watch a video shitting on it, which in my view is a waste of time. I've never bothered watching videos of like people shitting on watches. Or on the same token, I'm not going to pretend I like it if I don't, you know, like. So you're saying that Archie Luxury is not your cup of tea. <laughs> I, can't, I can't stand him. I've never watched more than 30 seconds of his, of his channel because I can't stand the sound of the man. You I, think I, I'm entertaining. Woo! Boy, that guy. He's, he's entertaining. You know, you know what? I, I, I heard him once on a podcast. I think it was Scottish Watches, early episodes. And he is a, a pretty smart guy when, when he's not in his, in his character. And I was like, why don't we yeah. get more of that? Because right. he's a smart guy. He's been in the industry for such a long time, and he knows a lot. But he takes on this persona that's worked for him, and I, I, I am not subscribed to him. I've seen his his 
his uh, videos and they just, it, it doesn't speak I, to me. I have not, I've just not been capable of watching an entire the, one. They're a turn off. They're a turn off for sure. Well, that's, that's the beauty of, of number one, watch collecting and watch people like us that every single watch could speak to a certain person and every single video or person can speak to a collector. So there's plenty of us to go around. Um, so yeah, with that said, you know, <laughs> let, let's just keep doing what we're doing, but we promise you each and every single one of us can promise you that we're not going to be uh, selling out for anybody anytime soon ever. So mm -mm. we're independent baby. <laughs> Until we That's get right. the call with that uh, with that paycheck, then maybe I'll change my mind. <laughs> That's the company oh yeah, money top bullshit. Wow. <laughs> the company wants to pay me to feature a watch I already like, so essentially pay me what I would do anyway. Of course, I'm not going to say no. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why I had that, like you know, I from the beginning wanted to have that sort of built-in mechanism. So it's like I can't be bought. It's like I'm either already pre-sold to something I like, or I'm not for sale to something I don't like. You know, it's like win-win. I agree. I agree. Well, guys, we are approaching that one hour mark. Let's jump into other things aside from watches. Uh, this should be fun. We, we haven't spoken to Fred in a minute. So start it off, Fred or, or P, whoever wants to go. Go other ahead, Fred. Things, what, what do you guys got? Uh, so uh, I've developed an addiction. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, or better say I've relapsed into one. Oh, uh, I started playing World of Warcraft again. Oh, like, my I, fucking God. Yeah. I, <laughs> Lord I, been, have mercy. I've been shut at home for five months. You know, it gets boring. <laughs> there's, there's only so many so many movies and, like, so much music you can listen to. I was like, you know what? I'm going to download this shit, see see how it's changed and whatnot. It's still very different. Yeah. I know yeah. they just released, uh, was it last year, the original? Yeah, so they re-released. Yeah, re yeah. Like, classic. Or you can right. play um, through all the expansions. It's gotten a bit all over the place because they have so many expansions and like the timeline right, yeah. completely fucked. Especially, and you can advance really quickly through it. But right. apparently, with the new expansions coming out, I think in December, Shadowlands, they're gonna half everyone's level and it's gonna like normalize a little bit because it's gotten out of hand. Like mm. you can get to max level in like three, four days if you're playing. Really? Mm. Yeah. Use. Mm. Through it really fast. Like I remember leveling used to be much slower. So um, wow. So it's, how many hours do you spend behind your computer? Behind my computer or playing? What what playing? Playing. Okay, playing. Uh, playing. I'll probably play maybe two three hours a day. Um, That's what's up. I spend pretty much all day behind my computer because it's like that between work, videos, and now while it's like I'm always in front of the screen. Got it. But yeah, I had just gotten too bored at home. I needed something new to do. <laughs> I can't, can't really do anything outside, so. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> that That's my other things. Nice, nice. Up. P, what you got? Um. Well, I got it on the screen. I've been playing that new Final Fantasy remake again. You know what I'm saying? Great game. Uh, I, been, I never got into it either, but I had played... Uh, the original back in the 90s, and it was pretty good, and I wanted to see how the remake worked, and it, it's actually pretty good, you know what I mean? Um, this is like my second playthrough, so I'm doing it big, 
We're doing it big with it. Yeah. Is it like a straight up remake of like the original it's, one? It's, or like it, it, it's totally revamped. Totally revamped. Same story, story like same, same oh. story with some added extras, you know what I mean? But yeah, it's it's totally revamped. Yeah, from the nineties or shit. And then I've been playing um Civilization Six strategy game, Sid Myers. Yeah. So that's been off the hook too. That's I, I don't know if I'm weird or, or, or what the deal is, but ever since I was little, I remember I was seven. I think I was seven when my grandma bought my sister and I the uh, very first Nintendo. And we got the little floor mat to run. We got the little gun to shoot the ducks. Duck and, hunt, track and field. Yeah, yeah, I had that shit. So yeah. I remember being uh, into the game. Uh, when we first got it, but then um, I never got addicted to video games, and I remember all my little neighbors, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, all that stuff. Yeah. I, I used to like that, but I was never obsessed with it. I was always a kid that wanted to go outside and play soccer, go rollerblade, go be on my bike, and, and now as an adult, I can't remember the last time I tried to play a video game. I think my son downloaded something on his tablet plants versus zombies and that's probably the only thing that i played but i wasn't addicted mm -hmm. to it and every time that i hear gamers or things about gaming it's just boring to me i i've never gotten into it so well I don't you know. mentioned you mentioned mortal kombat it's a new expansion pack out for mortal kombat that i gotta get into too so <laughs> this guy you know yeah. So yeah, there's nothing nothing wrong with gaming. I know that it it, it definitely helps your brain uh, because you need to navigate through things and strategy and everything. So I'm not I'm not talking bad about it. I just said that I personally can't get into gaming, and it's just really boring to me. And I don't know. I I, I spend my time doing other things, I guess. But uh, that's the way that it's always been, even since I was a little. Me was in my uncle with games, like cause like I didn't have a console growing up. My mom was like, no. And probably a good idea as well. I didn't, <laughs> but like for me, what gets me into games is cause like I'm a little bit OCD. I need to complete shit. And what gets me is especially now with the modern ones, they got all these achievements and shit like right. that. Yeah, collect right. this, complete you all this. Complete it. Complete that. I, I, I always have to complete that shit, and that yeah. ends up just keeping me on for longer. I'm like, oh, shit, I, I've almost got it done anyway. I might as well just right. do it. And then they just give you something else to complete. I'm like, damn it. There's mm. always something else. So let me get your opinion on something because it's something that I'm kind of torn on. So my son's getting older, right? And he's already five. But my nephew, he's 10, I think. I think he's 10. And since even before then, he's been playing those video. And I couldn't, don't ask me. I don't know the names of these things. But video games where you need to shoot people and complete missions. And I just think it's wrong. I'm like, why are they teaching these kids violence i mean there's violence already on tv i get it but there's a difference between you seeing something and you actually being the shooter so how do you guys feel about that you guys are grown adults obviously you can do whatever you want but how do you feel about a child playing these games that could potentially shape his future or her future for that matter i think it's so much down to you know like i'm not i'm not a parent so i will you know like with all admission, you know that, like, you know, I don't know what it's like to raise a kid, but I personally think a lot of it is just down to, in the same way with how you would treat, like, with movies, TV shows, 
teaching them the difference, letting them understand that this is real, this is not. This is something to have fun on when it's on a screen, but it's not something that's going to be fun in real life type of thing, you know? Right. Yeah, my daughter, 15, she played video games, and she's a straight-A student. Don't get in no trouble. Yeah. That. You know what like I'm saying? Me, so, you just have to... Sorry, I was going to say, like, when I was a kid and I would, like, you know, play those games, like, if I went to a friend's house or whatever, because that was always the thing. It was like, all right, if I want to play a console, I got to go to a friend's house to play it. <laughs> and with those, like, I had a fucking great time shooting up shit on the screen, but I didn't have any particular burning desire to take that off the screen. The fun, right, like, right. I always had that distinction in my mind pretty fucking clear as a kid, and I'm assuming that's because that's how I was raised. Right. Um, so a lot of it, if I'm understanding this correctly, it has to do with the way you raise your children, not so much. Well, you have to think itself. You have to think about it like this too. You know what I'm saying? Like when you send your child off to school, he gonna hear some outlandish shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it ain't no way you he can really escape it. The only thing you could do is coach him through it. You know, that's all you can do. Because okay. after a while, it becomes the, the kid's responsibility, not yours. You know what I yeah, mean? Exactly. So, like, empower them to know that difference between right and wrong, right. like anything else. You know? Like, right. Yeah. Like, my, my daughter does not like Grand Theft Auto. She would not play a Grand Theft Auto game. But I love that shit. <laughs> I, and, and, you know, I ain't finna go out and just shoot nobody up. I've been playing shit like that since I was little. You know what I mean? Got Even it. something as 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 small as like Pac-Man, where you're eating ghosts, can have a negative effect. Or like Donkey Kong, you know what I mean? Well, you I know. mean, I remember growing up, Mortal Kombat, right? It was a huge thing and people against it and oh my god, it's too gruesome and all the blood and fatality and all that other stuff. But me well, growing up playing that, I never felt the need to rip somebody's skull right. out or... Well, so, so, some consoles gave you the choice to turn off the blood and the guts. Really? Yeah, yeah. Why would you I, want to do that? That's the best. Part that's what I'm console. saying. I would. I wouldn't. But some consoles gave you the option. Where you turn when, the I was, when I was a kid, there was this computer game called Carmageddon, where pretty much you got points for running people over. It was like a racing game, but like, okay. like imagine like a ra standard racing sim mixed with like. Um, like a demolition derby and you get points for like running people over and all that shit and i was i lived in austria at that time and they censored the game it wasn't people you're running over anymore it was robots mm. but like, at the end of the day it's like again even though it wasn't robots i still felt like i'm like i know these are meant to be people in this game right right it's like you know i was still mad young but at the same time it's not like i looked at like you know my mom's car and said hmm and then looked at like the person across are you the street sure? Hmm. Like I, I didn't have that through my head. It was like there was a very clear distinction between what was acceptable on the screen and what was acceptable in real life. You know? Got it. All right. Well, we had that discussion. <laughs> talk to talk to us again when you're a dad and uh you'll probably feel a little yeah, different. Like, like full like full responsibility on the fact that like I don't have kids, so I don't know I couldn't tell you the first thing on how to teach that to a kid. I only speak as the end result. And I turned out okay. Right. Eh, so you and, and, and most kids only emulate what their parents do anyway. Really. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. All right. Well, other things for me. Um, I saw the movie X-Men Apocalypse. So I'm not a huge fan of X-Men. Obviously, I love all the Marvel movies. And it, it is 
kind of part of Marvel, but officially it's not really filmed by the Marvel <laughs> studio. Mm. So I, I don't know if you guys saw that uh, movie. That came, yeah, I've seen it before. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, um, I don't know, some of the special effects, some of the storyline, I, I just couldn't really connect with it in a level that I do when I was watching like Iron Man or Thor or Hulk or something. Um, it's just completely different, but um, it was okay. It was an okay movie. I don't, I, I guess I recommend it if you want to have a semi good time, but it's it, it wasn't great to be honest with you. So it's not mm. the best going, but I think it also gets a worse rap than it deserves. But yeah, the later X Men movies, it was all right. They got kind of patchy. Yeah, like it wasn't as bad as Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix was like, what the fuck did I just watch? Right, <laughs> right. It was okay, but it wasn't great either. But also I had higher expectations for it because I used to watch the cartoons, mm-hmm. and I remember. I remember Apocalypse was a huge, big, bad villain at that time in his purple pajamas. And, <laughs> and, and like, and so I was looking forward to this. I'm like, fuck yeah, you know, they're going to really update it. It's going to look really cool. And he's going to be this big threat. And it was just like, yeah, yeah. Like, I had higher expectations. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, for but sure. there are some good X-Men movies out there. Like the first two were great in my view. I, I liked, thought the first three was great. The third one. Third, oh, man. I feel like the thing I liked the most about the third one was Beast. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Out. That, yeah. like, yeah. they should have made the whole movie about Beast, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. But, like, Juggernaut, for example, they could have done that so much better. They could have done Juggernaut a lot better. Like, I would have liked to see them tell the actual, like, some of the story of Juggernaut. Because, you know, he was Xavier's uh, brother-in-law, I think, uh, something like that. Brother? Stepbrother? Okay, yeah. So I would have liked to see them tell a little bit of that. You know what I mean? Apparently, they were originally going to, but then, you know, like, they, like, rewrote it and all that. Mm. Like, that's the thing. A lot of the X-Men movies suffered from a lot of behind-the-scenes problems and, like, rewrite and, like, being, you know, made by a committee instead of, like, the singular vision that happens with the Marvel movies. Yeah, because they, yeah. they could have had such a great run, just like Spider-Man, right? I mean, the, the previous Spider-Man yeah. did okay, but when they brought it into the Marvel Universe, it just completely changed. So The first three Spider-Man movies was good with uh, Tobey Maguire. They were okay. Yeah. They weren't... They well, weren't that's the thing. The first Man. X-Men movies and the first Spider-Man movies were really what brought comic book movies to the mainstream. There yeah. been six before, like with Blade, for example. Right. Blade was rated you know like it was it wasn't really that big mainstream success necessarily. right right that was like that's, the horror shit that said though i still think blade doesn't get anywhere near as much credit as it deserves oh blade was great blade was great yeah shit. like those first two blade movies still hold up to me classics classics yeah Man. and western Hunt was just a badass thing. like oh yeah for me you know on the blade that said though they're getting i think uh i don't know how to pronounce his name properly marshala ali the guy who was caught in mouth in Luke Cage. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're getting, they're getting him to be the next Blade. And if anyone was going to succeed Wesley Snipes, I think he can. He's a great he's actor. A, he's Ooh, a great actor. Yeah, I like him. Yeah. Then he just do the movie with the uh, what was the name of that damn movie? Where he had the, the white man for the driver. Well, he won an uh, Oscar for something, right? So. Yeah. What was the name of that movie? I don't remember, but it was with Viggo Mortensen, the guy from I've Lord seen Rain. it. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Really good. I never got around to seeing it, but I heard yeah. good things. Yeah, it was pretty good. 
Yep. All right, guys. Well, that pretty much wraps up episode 37. It's been great chatting with you guys. I hope everybody enjoyed it. You guys got any parting words for our listeners? Great um, to be back on the podcast. Appreciate the, the reading invite. Good to have a little cameo. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, yeah, for sure. No you're invited anytime, man. We know you're super busy. We appreciate you uh, taking our call and, and making this happen. We didn't feel comfortable talking about Rolex or something luxury like that without you. So thank you for uh, helping us out. No, my pleasure. It's always good speaking with you guys. And, you know, a big thanks to your audience for, for keeping you guys going as well. And thanks to you guys for keeping it going. You know, 37 in, that's that's yes, not, a, not a small amount of work. Like, I know how long it takes to make these, to organize guests and all that shit. So, like, power to both of you guys to, for powering through, you know? I appreciate it. Well, speaking of, if you're listening to this on, like, Apple, uh, is it iTunes? Uh, go ahead and, and, and rate us. You know, you could actually rate us. There's a rating system. You could leave a comment, and it helps because the more we get rated, the more comments we get, the more it gets pushed out to other people. So we can continue to grow. More people know who we are. Uh, again, we said it again, and we don't want to play the minority card, but really we are the minority uh, in this uh, podcast game. And our we, we come at you from a different angle than everybody else. And I think that's what makes us so unique and it's gonna help us grow so if you if you like what you what you're listening to uh we're, we try to do this once a week uh p ross myself and we have different guests and uh fred will definitely Shit. join us again so so yeah thank you guys uh, where can they find you uh ross wristwatch love everywhere instagram facebook uh youtube you know okay. check us out check us out yep Fred, you can find me Shaluso on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Post facts. <laughs> Carry a pigeon <laughs> everywhere. Shaluso on everything. Sounds good. So SoCal Watch reviews on YouTube, on Instagram, and Relojeando on my Spanish channel. I just surpassed 500 subscribers there. So we're doing things there as well. Anybody that speaks Spanish or you got somebody that speaks Spanish, um, yeah, send them over there, relojando. Yeah. And anyway, um, so that's today's show. Guys, thank you so much for, for listening, and thank you guys for joining me, Brad P. Always fun. Well, the next Peace. one. All right, guys, as always, stay humble, my friends. Peace.